This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Namai, namai, hire mai, Kiara Tanakwe, Free FM, 89.0 Independent Community Media. I'm Bruce Scott, Mel Driscoll. This is Cosmopolitan News and Views. Let us start with an anniversary. First up, we remember this day in 1969, 52 years ago. Abbey Road, the Beatles' 11th and final studio album, was released. The cover features the four walking across the famous Abbey Road iconic pedestrian crossing. Um, the EMI Studios were later renamed in honour of Abbey Road. Named by Rolling Stone magazine, Abbey Road, the fifth greatest album of all time. From the Abbey Road album, here are the Beatles come together. Our first guest shortly. Anniversary today, 52 years ago, the release of Abbey Road. And why was Paul McCartney barefooted? Maybe because earlier that year, rumours about his death had been spread. But I've seen Paul McCartney lately on television with Ringo Starr, etc., etc. So uh, people speculated there was a Paul McCartney double, but no, he's alive and kicking. So is Ringo Starr, sadly George Harrison and John Lennon are deceased, but a classic album. It's 18 minutes to one. Afternoon, sir. Good afternoon, especially to Jimmy Daisley. Now, Jimmy, we heard your story of uh, finding the company, really, when you hadn't planned it that way, things fell into your lap and you took up the challenge and you made a success of a business operating in Auckland, you being domiciled at Paparoa. Jimmy, there have been developments in your bid to keep your business running and keep your employees active and to turn that profit and uh, earn that foreign exchange New Zealand needs. Afternoon. Afternoon, Jimmy. Good afternoon, Melvin. How are you down there in the Waikato? Oh, we're good. What's it like up where you are today? Uh, yes, it's a bit of a mixed bag, but um, still... Quite warm up here today at um, Paparoa. Yes. Since we last spoke, there've been some developments in smoothly running the business, 
from Papara? Uh, yes, well, uh, from we spoke last week, there has been sort of quite a big week, really. Uh, things have been happening. Uh, for for instance, uh, the um, the call to bring uh, the Super City Auckland down to level three, and uh, that's obviously helped those folk immensely, and they've been waiting for it. Um, with ourselves, uh, being in North, and we're still in, we're still sort of um, locked off from the rest of New Zealand, and um, so uh, it's still still difficult to to access. Auckland as it is and, and to get through at this, at this point in time. You've had occasion to cross the border? Uh, yes, well we have to cross the border um, because you know we're with New Zealand agent and uh, we do have to cross the border. We What we've done is um, with our uh, with our, um, our truck driver, our uh, transport operator, he's um, you know got all the We've gone through all the um, procedures, and he's been, you know, vaccinated and and um, and right up to speed. And, and of course, we were we were a bit, I don't know what the word trick, but we we were sort of under the impression once we'd done all the right uh, the right things uh, that uh, the vaccination, you know, we, we like as it was like they're talking about a passport. He, our operator, our Trucky transport man, he could go where he liked, uh, but that's actually not the case. Yeah, it's, we still have to. It's still quite difficult. I've been reading and listening to these stories this week about people with false documents. We had a guy here in Hamilton during the week. He changed his text because he was COVID free, but then he edited his cell phone message to say he was COVID positive, and caused all sorts of stuff at the Hamilton District Court this week. We've had gang members crossing the border with money and KFC, etc. We've got this guy, um, this gang member, being sent to Hauraki Plains. Has, has your driver got the right documentation? Yes, we, we have to have the right... We definitely... It's more about documentation. To give an example, I because we're under so much pressure and getting parts... Uh, you know, to to our clients, we have to, you know, try and do the best we can because everyone is under extreme pressure, and and uh, the delays of getting parts and things into the country, and then when they get here, there's sort of like another delay. So myself personally, I went into the Northern Laboratory to get the uh, saliva test. Yes, and uh, I thought while I was in there, you know, if I could get it done. You know, right there, with these professional people and done properly, but no, they, you know, they were extremely busy, and they said, no, you you got to go away, and you have to do it yourself, and you have to. They gave me a list, and they they said you have to put it on an app because I'm one of those baby boomers, and the only app I have really is Appetite. <laughs> so um, you know, I, I I struggle a bit, and so. Um, I get back to you know the but the office girls and the and the grandkids you know they can all work it out and uh, so I I did that test put it on uh, my phone and we sent it into that to, to the drop off point um, where my uh, daughter in law you know she did the thing you got to 
you've got to apparently log it in your phone again when you drop it off or whatever it is. I'm not too sure the procedure, but yeah, take my phone. And then I was right to go, um, from what I understood, because the sign it says uh, you, you cannot enter the super city unless you have a COVID test. That's a big sign there at, just before um, south of Wangaroo and before Waipu. Mm-hmm. So I did all that, and um, and I also got the paperwork, uh, the you know the um, the transport paperwork, the import paperwork, uh, the MPI clearance, and all that. Um, information and uh, and I headed off to Auckland and I uh, stopped at the border and of course I was going to show off my app and make out that I was IT efficient and had it all done and yeah. no one asked me they no one asked you after all and here I am I was, I was ready to show off to everyone you know <laughs> and um, <laughs> the thing we did have wrong was I didn't have this special exemption paper apparently we needed and I, you know, I'd, and I think the office girl either got it wrong because I said you know make sure you, you do everything right and so there's something missed there but giving all credit to the policeman like, like the uh, the first person that I spoke to was like I don't know it's MPI or customs or something like that at the border mm-hmm. uh, but then she referred me to a policeman and so the policeman he just went through the documentation once again, he didn't ask about the COVID. Um, and the policeman mentioned the documentation. And to be fair to him, he must, he's a very practical young fella. Very practical. I know his father must be a, a tradie or an engineer or something. And um, he said, um, he said, well, yeah, you've got to go these parts. You know, I explained the importance of them. He said, well, I'll make a deal with you. You get the parts, get back here today, and then we'll all be fine. So I go to Auckland. There was we, we had to get these parts. We had sent three trucks previously. You mm-hmm. know, people who do the transporting. And the company said that they hadn't been paid by another company. There's three companies involved with the getting parts in, and um, so they hadn't been paid by the other company and all this difficulty. So the first truck they turned around. Then they sent another one. Then we asked another one. Yes, they could go. And yes, and they turned them around. This is uh, last week. We got a, we got approval on the Wednesday, and so the week. So we're back to the Monday. Um, so we asked another trucking firm to call in. Then they wanted storage. This company. So I went down on the Tuesday, Wednesday, as soon as it opened the level three, and um, I get down there, and the parts went there. They're gone. <laughs> oh goodness. So, yeah, uh, so, yeah, you know, and this, I think this is sort of New Zealand, really. You know, everything is difficult. <laughs> anyway, difficult. I tracked them down. They were in a different warehouse. Tracked them down, got them back, and I got back to the border control at Tehana um, there, and I said to the policeman, well, you know, I've stuck, I've, I've done my part of the, the bargain. I've stuck to, you know, do what is, re, you know, required of me. And they were all happy and sent me on my way. And once again, no one asked about the COVID. No one. But do you totally That's agree that? But do you totally agree that people who do cross between the borders need a COVID test just to make Waikato safe? We're in level two here in Waikato, and we 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 don't oh, like. That... And you and you're going to give that to you. You tell your friends and family if you want to cross the border, get a COVID test. 
Yeah, of course, Melbourne. It's just a common sense thing. You know, the test is, uh, especially that saliva test, is very good. Um, it's very simple, very easy. Uh, you put it in and you have that test, and at least they know, you know, that the people crossing, and I think, uh, and, and to keep it away, especially especially from Auckland to the White Show. Yeah, yes, it's a requirement. It's just, it's just a common sense thing to do. Like, I haven't got a problem with it. Have you had I your injections yet, Jimmy? Um, I'm on, in the process. I, I shouldn't really talk about that. I've said someone, but I originally, um, I was, you know, part of the five million team and I was heading off to get the injection and you, and you couldn't sort of get it. It was sort of difficult. You know, it was, the rollout was difficult and, and you're busy. And so then, um, I contacted my EP and so, uh, he just said, um, get a blood test check the heart, and then we'll carry on from there. So that's, that's the process I'm in. But I, get the, I, I still get the COVID test. Yep. Yeah, good, good, know, all, good, good on your own. We're, we're doing that continuously um, because that's, you know, we just want to make sure that, um, you know, I, I definitely don't fear COVID as such. Um, a lot of people do, obviously, um, I, you know, I, fear, fear to me is sort of the essence of madness. We, we got to try and combat it more than fear it, I think. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So, um, you know, and, and plus, um, when you're my age, you have all these other things <laughs> sneaking up on you, you know, yeah. Yeah. dementias and, you know, so you're, I'm, I'm dropping a bit of stuff. The old doc says I need something. I'm not too sure what it's called, Parkinson's or something. And then they like, yes. you have these other things that are, you know, racing, race sneaking up on you. So if you, if you lose, drop the ball on just on one focusing on one thing, you might, um, you know, you may, it may catch something else may catch up on you. Well, I, I, I watched some of you fellow Aucklanders yesterday on the news last night around Mission Bay. No social distancing, no masks. A game of touch was uh, canned by the police. I think uh, the police are about had enough, and they're going to get really, really tough with some of these people in uh, in the super city. And uh... you're truly a Northlander, yeah. Jimmy. You, and Paparoa <laughs> is a place that not everyone knows. Can you just uh, put us in the picture as to where Paparoa is and what kind of place it is to to live in? Uh, yes. Pepperow is a little country town, little service town, basically. Uh, you know, the usual things here, the four square and the fish and chip shop, and there's a hotel and drapery and cafe. So it's, it's, and it has its little farmer's market. Um, and just interestingly enough, today, um, we live at, it's about 10k from Arua. Um, and I and, um, I don't know if you remember, but our Rua, and today being daylight saving, I've snuck up on us a bit. Our <laughs> um, Rua back in 1974, they had a sort of a, a test, a test for daylight saving, and the people at our Rua objected to that uh, those days, and they had what they call our Rua time. Oh, and so they they left the time as it was. Mm. And of course, you're not to be mistake because there is a paparoa in the South Island too. So uh, you're not in the South Island; you're up north. And oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Location. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, sorry, Melbourne. Uh, yes, we 
The Pepera is on the main highway from State Highway 1 to Dargaville, and uh, where the second town in, there's, uh, when you leave the State Highway, there's Mungatoroto and then Paparoa. Now, what happened in the early days, like uh, travelling from Auckland North, you had little Welford, Kaiwaka, Mangataroto, Paparoa, Ruawai, Tokataka, Dargaville, and apparently they were one-day horse ride. <laughs> and that's why those little towns... Between, were, between that, each that, of those settlements... Between, about and a that's day. why they're so close. Mm. You know, they're only twelve k to Mangaroto and about the similar to rural Y and, and that, that's I'm why those 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 uh, and of course Northland was very busy. Dargaville was was very big those days with the with the um, carry trees and things, and then um, Kahu Kahu, of course, further north. Mm. And, and course, anyone who took that um, peninsula down from Awarua would be surprised to find themselves sitting in the midst of a harbour, Kaipara, which has the longest coastline, I believe, in the southern hemisphere of any harbour, the inner harbour. Awarua being near one of those peninsulas that runs down to a, a dead end. Do you know that place? Do you go fishing down there? Yeah. Yes, well, I mean, there's um, a place called Pinapai. There's actually quite a few little peninsulas. There's one Pinapai, uh, and of course, I'm I'm not classed as a, as a local here because I'm a Hokianga boy. But uh, well, we get we we'll find our way around. Yeah, in your excuse me, in your time in Paparoa, have you come across Sam Hunt? Because I believe he lives there. No, no, and there'd be a lot of people I know and wave to, of course. And I see, and you know, and, and we don't. I don't actually know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 you of know, course, um, and and of course, the former MP Lockwood Smith was born in Paparoa. So, um, so Lockwood Smith. Yes, we had. Yes, that that is correct. We Lockwood Smith. He's got a. He's a very keen cattle uh, breeder. He has Belgian Blues. Got a big farm, just like yeah, about. 8K from where I stay, actually. Uh, and Lockwood, and he's uh, he shows them. He, you know, we have a Paparoa AMP show uh, every year, February, and and um, he he has his cattle there, puts his cattle on display. That um, and as he obviously he was, I think he was Speaker of the House. Yep. At the moment, he's on the British some British committee uh, that um, he's going to meet. Um, uh, Damien O'Connor, the yep. trade, the agricultural chap. I think he's going over. He so Lockwood still obviously puts a representation for New Zealand, and the other uh, politician they had here, the place just between Paparoa and Ruawai's called Matakawi. Yep, and, and it's got a nice carry museum there. The old early days, early settlers, and of course. Um, we had um, there was uh, you know there's um, yeah the odd politician come out of there too in the early days. So, <laughs> mm. Have they left much of the land to revert to the original bush that coated most of or Northland? Uh, no, I don't. Northland's um, well, it's agricultural. Uh, the like rural way is is a very uh, seems to be a very productive area, and it's a bit like the Waikato, really. It's uh, you know flat and 
and uh, plenty of um, yeah, you know the, the production is really good. Mm. So the traffic going north, when the roads are open again and there's no border controls, those roads they encounter these one-way bridges that we keep hearing in Parliament are going to be fixed, made double way. Uh, it's also known that to get to Northland you need to really go through a very narrow isthmus really it's um, one side uh, separated by the other from the other only by a short distance it's strange because it almost creates an island of Taitokaro Northland uh, the, yeah, well there are there were several one way bridges and still are uh, the, the first ones I have done is the ones at Matakoe, I just mentioned yep. about. And that's right on the Kuiper, of course, and you mentioned one of the you know, the largest coastline. I think, and I think it is actually the largest harbour in the Southern Hemisphere. It's, well, it's huge. And um, and those one-lane bridges go over the top of the estuaries of that, and they've now um, been replaced. Now, they were just replaced. Now, the original one-way bridges were put there in 1931. They were still used up a couple of years ago. Is, so, this, uh, that, that. is this one of the bridges that um, calls Winston Peters to accuse the National Party of uh, not uh, building ro- enough roads? Um, I think it later became a bridge to nowhere or something, according to Winston Peters. Yes, Winston did. He, he sort of, to be fair to him, he made a good point. Uh, National have had their fair chunk of a politics up here they've always they've always been in uh except now they haven't actually voted in but uh, uh dr shane reddy's on our list so he's uh, the national chap but um the, the local chap here is act uh the other of course labor's labor people are all in so northam for the first time that i've known it is, is an all red really all red place as uh, the voted uh, voting go Yep. But Winston did, he did hit that home and he won the seat. Mm-hmm. Now, when he came up here, he said, look, these one-way bridges, I think he counted up 11 or 12 of them. And uh, he said, look, you've been here all this time, you've had all these votes and you haven't spent the money. The Northern people are getting shortchanged. That was one of his policies. Now, at that time, National had a majority in the finality of about 9,000 votes. It must be one of the biggest majorities in the country. And so Winston had to haul back 9,000 votes to just to get the zero cut even. Well, he actually won it by 4,500. So there was 13,000 odd votes went to Winston, went Winston's way, and he won the seat. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was, that was a, a, a big change, and it maybe woke the other political parties up. I think um, one lane. Yeah, I, I I think also one of the uh, former one of those former national MPs, John Carter, is uh, the mayor of the Northern District. So that comes under that comes under your area. Yes, it does actually. That uh, that does, John. He's he's uh, well, not actually here. Sorry, it's the far north. He's in the far north. He's the mayor of the far north. Jason Smith is the mayor of Kuipera. I'm in Kuipera. Yep. And uh, Cheryl Moy is the mayor of. The Wong Grey District Council. It's, it's, so you've got the three, three councils up here. It is so confusing, and and this time they're uh, all discussing the three rivers concept. But that's another, that's for another discussion and another day. So, um. when we look back, 
Jimmy, we can honour the people, whether Māori or Pākehā, who came through the Kaipara Heads, because that's got a notorious bar offshore in the Tasman Sea, hasn't it? Yes, they call it. Um, yes, it has got a. It actually has got a. It, I think they they call the channel the graveyard, and they talk about that area. And um, it is. It, and, and it wasn't that long ago. Uh, I think about five people perished outside that bar. Uh, it was a commercial fisherman too, and he had he was taking some um, island boys out for a fish and. Anyway, tipped over and they, they perished on there, so it's not to be taken lightly, that is for sure. With a harbour such as it is, it seemed asking too much to have the Kaipara people consent, give approval, encourage our government at one stage exploring the use of atomic power for electricity generation to put the first reactor in the Kaipara. Do you know about that? Yes, I remember uh, when I was at primary school, I, I can't remember the Kaipara one because I wasn't a Kaipara person, but I went to school at Yumura and Hakianga, and I saw drawings, artist impressions, of a nuclear power station at the head of the Hakianga Harbour. And apparently it's the cooling they require to, you know, to, to um, generate that, and that's one of the main ingredients that they have to have. So the tidal flow is quite swift. So, yeah, it was a, a sort of an ideal place to, to put it in those days, of course. It's a harbour known more for its mud than sand. Is that fair? Oh, look... It has got a lot of mud flats, there's, there's no doubt. Uh, but then yeah, when you get the mud, you get flounder, so it's, it's not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy fishing, do you, Jimmy? Yes, I, I do. I used to do a, a lot of it once, but uh, <coughs> I, I, you know, I haven't anymore. We just, but, but something, I'm not too sure what's what's wrong with this picture, but the older you get, the busier you get. Well, you're to be commended for running though in your late 60s you, you're involved in business and the risks that it brings the worries like getting the parts to your customers i hope they're all happy <laughs> after all the rigmarole of con complying with the border requirements yes we we have to do the border requirements i i just as i said i was, I was a bit disappointed when when you know our people got all vaccinated and and they're still Still held up and still have to do all this paperwork, and uh, and I spoke to the the son of the lady who died in Auckland. Yes, and uh, they like the, the 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 protocol or the system they had to go through when they dropped the level three to bring her back home. Uh, it was was you know was exhausting really uh, to get permission and all the testing and I think they'd have three tests and that there was all sorts of yep yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I do read the I do read the funeral notices in the, in the paper like I've done for a long time and I see in the the notices that the family are brought in um, 
we'll have a memorial service when levels change. It's uh, it's quite eerie. What um, reading these funeral notices when um, people can't grieve properly. Yes, I, I, I feel really sorry for all those families, and especially uh, that lady, is you know, part Mary lady. She, you know, they wanted her back at the Marae. And of course, when you, when you, and that, um, you know, in the Iwi family, I would, uh, you, you, you know, the honour of being on the Marae, and and they paying respect of of your contribution to family and, the, and to the nation. Uh, and when they can't have that, you know, it's it's it's, it's really really sad yeah. and um, like maybe unnecessary maybe they could yeah. do something yeah. and of course what what um, worries me particularly the, the you know the people couldn't go to if you not all of them some would turn around some could get through if they had they got exemptions but some would turn around to go to that lady's funeral um but then you know as you said earlier in the program the uh, corrections department let a, a gang member out he's already got COVID knee travels around the white better. Of course, and uh, recently we had another gang funeral. I think it was the Mongol mob and the... I've, why doesn't the police just break them up or are they just frightened of the Mongol mob and other gangs? Uh, good question. There'd be, be lots of reasons uh, for them. Uh, they don't want to... I, I suppose they don't want to make it any worse, yeah. the situation. Um, there'll be political pressure because if they do, they'll be classed as you know picking on a certain group of people, yeah. or you know, in a, at a at a at a time yeah. of sadness, or yeah. and so you know they 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 are. But I do know at the border they're very strict. Yeah. You know they're very you know everyone stopped and and as I say, if they haven't got that exemption, they turned around. Yeah, well, with this game, so there is a. Oh, sorry. Yeah, with this gang member in Waikato, I listened to Parliament during the week, and I saw Kelvin Davis, another local, another local member, and I thought, typically hopeless. He was out of his depth. Um, yep, sorry, but um, it's ten past one. Yeah, no, they're out of their depth. Some of these politicians. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. It's I don't know if they're out of their depth. Or they just have bad advice or something. You know, like they don't, and they, I don't think they talk to the people who it really affects. You know, they don't have, they obviously don't have any conversation with people. Now, what, what, what really got me going with my, say, my truck driver can't go through and he's been tested and as I say, all the tests. And yet Calvin Davis let out 12 people, I think he said out of jail and then they just took off home. 12 of them. You know, out of the out of the out of the Auckland area, and here's two people getting prosecuted for going to Wanaka. Now I know the people in Wanaka are very precious, but we've got five thousand or more Aucklanders up here. You know, so I, I can't. You know, so it is a little bit of there's a little bit of um, imbalance. I would say be yeah. the word. When going Mr. Davis can let those people go, and yet people with a genuine reason, you know, funeral and, and like us, part, you know, business business people are getting you know, knocked around and some businesses uh, have, some people have a business in say in the, in the super city in Auckland and up the road at Kaiwaka they'll have another business so they've got to go through the border all the time and I, I 
I'm talking one guy, I don't know how many tests he's had, but, you know, just a huge number. So, yeah, so those people all the time, are just, and it's just another difficulty. And I think really that, that that's a sort of a thing of New Zealand um, that um, gets me going is that you, 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 you talk about advice. Has the halo of Dr. Ashley Bloomfield been tarnished a bit? What information is he giving advice to the government? Is it just a bit overboard at the moment? Oh, I think they're under extreme pressure, personally, because this latest Delta thing is not going away. Uh, we were... We were the angels of the world there on the first lockdown, you know, yep. New Zealand. You know, we'd done it and all that. And then we opened the border up. And even the local power board at Huntley were ahead of the government. You know, they got that big power station there. Yep. Um, and they recognised, the management there and their team, they recognised that, hey, you know, if you're opening the border, this Delta, I think the wording they had was, it's not... If it turns up, it's a win. So they put in, you know, they put into a, a process to protect their staff and have uh, put their, um, I think they have uh, shift workers and they put them in their bubbles to to make sure that that power station keeps going because it's it's a big part of the whole national grid and you can imagine if that stopped because of COVID, you know, poor old King Pihadia wouldn't be able to use his toaster. You're a man who has, in different phases of life, made contributions of different kinds to society, Jimmy. Talk about rugby. You still watch it, but you don't play it. Oh, <laughs> no, I certainly don't play it. Uh, we could be getting out. I, I do watch it. I do uh, go and watch the, uh, some of the local local games, you know, the, the, the local boys playing. And... Uh, I don't, uh, obviously, I'm not involved as much as I used to be. Uh, don't, you know, well, actually, what happened is I had 12 years of on committees and whatnot, and then I, I decided that uh, in my rugby time on that, I decided to finish it, and I didn't want to become uh, stale, if you know what I mean. You, you get a lot of people in rugby, and you get these... People have been here for 30 odd years and nothing sort of changes. And I sort of didn't want to become one of those. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, nominated for Rugby Administrator of the Year in the year 2000. And um, and uh, with, there was other sports, of course. There was, you know, bowls and squash and all that and all those administrators. And um, I actually won that award Mm. Well deserved. And you'd been looming large in the Whangarei scene at one stage with respect to schoolboy rugby, I believe. Yes, we, uh, the rugby, I uh, obviously joined the, the local club and uh, then I got on the committee and and then they, they nominated me to be the JMB, uh, Junior Board Rep, for our club and our club was Midwestern which is based in Munkaramia. And um, at that time, there was about 700 children playing junior rugby in Wangarei. And by the time I left, uh, there was about uh, there was over 2,000. Great. So we, we, we increased our numbers. 
you know, through, through various things, various things. But one of them was we kept it, we kept the fees low because we noticed, you know, there's, the, you know, bigger families and you get the fees up there too much. So that was one of the things we had to, and we got a lot of uh, promotion from people like Fonterra and, um, you know, the Gilbert rugby ball people and all that. We, we, we tried to get people on side the local radio station and, and um, have different um, activity games and and um, like we had the Rugby World Cup for under nines and and each team was nominated like Fiji or and they had to come dressed in their um, traditional costume you know and so we we, we promoted it that way and uh, we also for the safety side we had um, I think he played for Waikato too Richard Lowe yes uh, Ken and um, he was Canterbury that stage. Uh, he come up, uh, you know, to, to and I used to get a lot of the Northland boys, Tony Monaghan and David Howell and those sort of boys to come and 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 just general local rugby chaps to bring them along for the young people, show them safety scrum, you know, and all that. So we 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 got promoted, and I think we got the what we did. We got the mothers on side, and then that. It's that blossom from there. Yep, it's uh, club rugby. Having a father playing for local rugby in Cambridge, of course, it's uh, it's a family atmosphere, and you make friends for life in in club rugby. And shortly, we're going to pay a tribute to Walker Nathan, who died yesterday. So we're going to do that very very shortly too. Yes, I remember him playing as a kid. He was a he was a um, a very he was well respected, and I remember my parents. You know, he was he was right as far as greats were concerned. He was right up there. And who were the other heroes for you as a young man or a schoolboy of rugby? Well, of course, the, the Waikato fellow was Don Clark. Uh, he was, you know, the boot. And as a kid, and uh, we had our own chap called Peter Jones and Johnny Smith. Uh, and Johnny Smith, JB Smith. Yes, he was. He was. He. I never. He must have just, I didn't, um, ever see him play and I, but he was, he was, you know, he was certainly a local hero. Um, Herbie Smith, he was, you know, one of the greatest and Doc Piwai and he yeah. used to play, but m- later on in my, in my time, and I was, you know, more teenage years, uh, there was the Going Brothers. The Goings. Was, uh, Sid, Bro- Sid Bryan and Ken. Yep. And they were sort of the Northland, the Northland heroes those days. Well, actually, it was called North Auckland those days, and uh, North Auckland Rugby, and uh, they were certainly, uh, those three were always, you know, yep. in the, at the front line, and Sid, of course, was um, an all-black that played many tests, and Ken also made the all-blacks. Brian didn't, but he, he played Mary all-blacks, but you know, an excellent player. Yep, well, with what the, the link with Walker Nathan, of course, that Sid Going did play with Walker Nathan on tour, and Maori rugby, so Walker Nathan and Sid Going would have come across together, and, of course, Sid Going spent some time here with the Mormon Church as president here in uh, Kirikiriroa, Hamilton, so uh, there are all those links there. Yes, there is a link. There's a Waikato link that the other... Big rugby link was when they first started the Super 12, I think it was, Super 12, yep. the, uh, a competition, Northland was in the Waikato region and we had, I think it was Glenn Taylor was actually a captain 
of that super rugby side, the Chiefs. Yes. And Northland was the contributing, one of the contributing provinces. They've now changed it and got a bit more sense to it, really. You know, geographically, is you know, counties, Auckland, North Harbour, and now Northland, which makes sense. But they originally jumped over Auckland, a bit like the cricket, actually. You know, you have an Auckland cricket team and you've got Northern Districts, which our boys play. But your guys down there. Mm. Well, you're a man of many parts, Jimmy. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> I don't know uh, so much, but um, yes, well, those, the, the, the rugby, and as you said before, it gives you, you know, a, a community, um, you know, a sense, and it's not only on the vault just rugby, I, we, we gave assistance to uh, the hockey people, um, and they had they built a a stadium that one of the first in New Zealand, I think. Uh, you know, a, a Olympic turf, and uh, you know they needed. And it was all a lot of all voluntary labour because people haven't got the money. So, and I, I had my bobcat up there helping them doing bits and pieces. So not only uh, rugby, also the cricket, of course, uh, putting the new pitch in at Mangakara Mere. Mm. So yeah, you. you you spread it around, and uh, all codes, all codes, and all administrators need a pat on the back because it, it's not easy. And of course, one of Sid Going's nephews played for um, both the ABs and Hautapu, <laughs> so one of here in Waikato. I forget his name. <laughs> that's that's oh, bad. Yeah, yeah, I know you're talking about too. And there's another one, like in this other uh, nephew too, played Canterbury. Uh, mm, yeah, actually, a lot of Northland. When they had the first Super 12, they had a Lahore report. Yes. And Northland were the second biggest contributors to the whole Super 12 rugby next to Auckland. So we had a lot of we had a lot of players up here. Um, Dion Muir, um, he was a Waikato man from memory. Yep. He was from Kaiwaka. You know, the, the Barrel Boys and, you know, there's just um, the, um, oh, the, the Duns. Yep. Those, those yep. boys. You know, we had, we had a lot of quite a few in that um, well, the second highest number in that Super Twelve competition all around all around the country in, the, in those teams. So Northern does produce some yeah, some well talented rugby players, and of course, being a bit of a poorer province, they they go to the you know the more affluent, uh, you know, the Canterburys, Auckland, and a lot of Northern boys have played for Auckland. And Zinzan Brook played all his junior rugby in Northland. Well, you and your son, who's also in the um, in the family business, are yeah. contributing your part as long as you can continue to maintain those those big machines so expensive coming from Japan, the Kobe machines, and uh, hope that you can um, get back to normal with the office in Auckland and you at Paparoa without the difficulties of having to prove who you are, Jimmy. Yes, that that would be great if we can just travel, and um, and that's what I said. I, I still, I still, it irks me that I thought that once you were double vaccinated, that you had free travel, but that's certainly not the case. And um, so that's a bit. So now we we're, we're waiting for the next step. You know, when are we going to be free of who is? You know, um, so it is a bit difficult to, to know what they're thinking, and you know, they have these people sort of modelling. 
You know, they have a modeler modeling them or sort of predicting. Oh. Yeah, when I hear some of them talk, they should really stick to model aeroplanes, you know, like it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I heard some of them speak this week and one was re- one was reporting over five thousand deaths. Well, he was pre- he has been proved wrong um, in the in the first. Hey, we've got to talk again one of these days. It's twenty five past one. I'm still waiting for the latest um, COVID nineteen update, and we're going to pay tribute to Walker Nathan very very shortly too. Jimmy Daisley, thank you for joining us from Northland. It's a pleasure. We'll have to. We'll, we'll have another. We'll have. Hey, we, when you get across the border, come and visit us here in Hamilton and have a chat live on air. Yes, I will do. And um, thank you, Melbourne, and you, and to everyone on the Waikato, have a nice day and enjoy it. We may hear from you next week, another border problem, so we'll catch up with you later. <laughs> yes. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, maybe have a busy week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Yeah, we have to pay tribute to Walker Nathan. 1940-1921, when Walker Nathan died this week, he left behind a legacy of 88 games for Auckland, his club at rugby, Otahu. Named by the French La Panthère Noira by the French newspaper, recounting Nathan could stalk the opposition like a panther. Former president of Auckland Rugby Union, patron of Auckland Rugby and life member. 37 games for the All Blacks, 14 tests, never on a losing side. Manager of the Māori All Blacks, 17 times for the Māori All Blacks. 1976, the 1977 British Lions, British and Irish Lions, Waka Nathan's Quintickies. That is the late Walker Nathan, with, uh, along with the British and Irish Lions and the Quintickies. There's a gold mine in the sky. From Les Miserables, here is Elfie Bow.
son I might have known If God had granted me a son The summers die One by one How soon they fly On and on And I FM 89.0 independent community media from Les Miserables Belfibo bring him home it's time to catch up with former mayor of Hamilton and oh sorry Mel Tony Walton is president of the Auckland Tramping Club and has been for many of the tramps but it's been interrupted by covid COVID has had some uh, effect on the activities of the club, has it, Tony? Oh, it definitely has. Uh, sort of good afternoon, everyone. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so uh, last year when, when it sort of first happened, uh, obviously we started, we had to sort of uh, cancel. We run a lot of trips, so we, we had to, you know, we run uh, Sunday trips and Wednesday trips and uh, weekend trips and things. So we cancelled a lot of trips last year and then we thought we were all OK. And a group of us were about ready to go down to to Rocky or a Stewart Island again in August and then suddenly the night before we were in lockdown again so um, and then of course now now here we are again uh, in another sort of quite a long lockdown um, and uh, just uh, uh, stuck at home of course stuck in, in, in Auckland and uh, but uh, nevertheless very busy uh, planning out all our, our summer trips and uh, and so on. So uh, there's always a lot that we uh, have on our agenda, on our to-do list. Your members get around the country a bit. Oh, we certainly do. I mean, we, we've, um, uh, you know, I suppose as a, as a club, you know, one of the ones in the country that does get around everywhere. Um, we, you know, we obviously we just before the, this lockdown, we were up in the Tangihua Forest near uh, Whangarei, um and. Uh, Earlier on this year, we had a, a group down in, in the, the remote wilds of uh, southern uh, Rakiura, Stewart Island. So, uh, and uh, it, yeah, 
this year we've been pretty much uh, all sorts of places in between. It's an activity that brings to life the geography of our school days when we looked at how countries form their boundaries and mountain ranges and streams. Suddenly, spending so much time as you do up in the bush, you get to see it laid out before you, especially when you get to somewhere high up. Oh, very much so. I mean, it's just, just amazing. Once you're um, um, you know, in, in the, uh, the centre of the, the North Island, Ruapehu area, and, uh, and then, of course, once you're in the South Island, it's just... The, the, the valleys and the mountains are just so dramatic, just reflecting uh, you know, how they were formed, um, you know, where, the, where the fault lines are and, uh, and uh, what spectacular scenery arises uh, from it all. So. You once lived in the South Island? Yeah, I, I came from Christchurch. Um, we moved up to Auckland um, oh, a few decades ago now uh, from, from a work point of view, um, but uh, very much love going back to the South Island and, and always finding there's always new places I've never been before so that's sort of what tramping's all about. Was yours a family that introduced you and any siblings to the outdoors in, in the way that you could sort of trace through your life and has brought you to the pinnacle of so tramping well, career? Well, well not especially I mean there was possibly a, a little bit of a gap between my my, 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 uh, my grandfather he, he used to do quite a lot of hunting and things and, and the in the Southern Alps, but uh, my father really didn't get into anything like that. But I, I sort of picked it up again a bit when I was uh, going through university and so on, and then uh, uh, always keen to get into the mountains, and uh, and uh, certainly have done a lot of that over the last um, last twenty to thirty years. So. Having graduated, you, as would have been expected, with a business commerce kind of degree, was it? Uh, that's right, yeah, commerce. Yeah. And to that we should add computing because it it came during your career. Oh, well, very much so. I ended up in in, uh, in, a, in with a computing uh, career, sort of uh, you know, software development and things, ending up with sort of quite a, a long time in project management, which uh, um, is sort of sometimes to a certain extent. I don't think I've ever stopped doing that because of you know being. Uh, being uh, yeah, head of, a, of a, a club that does an awful lot of things with a lot of, a lot of projects underway at any one time. It, well, it, well, it seems that with a computer these days it's getting smaller and smaller because uh, you need, in most buildings you used to have a big room that uh, had so many computers in it, but now we only need a, a desk and Bob's your uncle. Well, you need a phone and, and sitting at, 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 on the couch at home too. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing could contrast more with yeah. being out and, in I the mean, bush. And that's what's really sort of um, kept a lot of thing, a lot of things happening uh, through the lockdown, as people have been able to work from home. And it's just, it really is, uh, you know, and that, 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 and it just sort of um, given a, you know, escalated the process that was happening anyway. But it's, um, yep. but it's just proved how, how, you know, how often that. Um, companies don't need so much office space and yep. so many companies have been uh, downsizing that quite significantly. Yeah, just, just some breaking news, there are 18 new cases of COVID-19 in the community, number of new cases identified at the border is one and two historical cases and the location of the new community cases is Auckland, so 18 new cases the Sunday afternoon of COVID-19 back to Tony. We want that to change so that you can get back in the bush 
Well, Tony. That, that's, that's very much so. I mean, we, we have, uh, um, you know, this, uh, at the moment I should have been away in, in the, doing a, a, a car week, a common or a crossing, you know, for about a week or so, I was tramping with, you know, we had a few parties do, aiming to do sort of various crossing uh, routes um, at this point. But uh, Where is that? Um, Carwick is Kaumanawas, that, that's the, the hills um, to the east of, of um, the, you know, the desert road and, and, and going from there through to the Hawke's Bay. So it, it's quite a, a superb area of uh, North Island mountains where there's sort of a lot of track, a lot of tracks, a lot of routes you can follow and, and quite a lot of huts and things as well. And it, it, it's sort of, it's popular with hunters and it's, it's also most uh, amazing sort of... Uh, um, colourful mountain scenery. There's such a contrast the life of the office as you've often known it during your career and the outdoors do you think that's one of the attractions that people want to change their lifestyle and revert to nature so to speak as oh, a tramper well, uh, well it is I mean and it, it's, yeah, even if they don't want to be quite so dramatic as that at least that, um, this thing of getting away from sort of a busy town life city life for a for a day, a weekend, uh, a week or two is is something that sort of um, gives people a lot a lot to look forward to. It gives you know gives them a, a a chance to relax a bit from what are otherwise very busy lives and so on. So it's it's just a, it's an amazing antidote to city life. And what stands out in memory, Tony, is one of the tramps that uh, was either the um, the most dramatic or the most enjoyable. Um, it, it is, you know, sometimes people ask me that and it's a very hard one to answer because there's just, what, what New Zealand has got, you may think it's a small country, but it's actually got the most amazing diversity of scenery and, and sort of, and so on. I, I sort of, um, uh, over, over the space of four years when I was still working, uh, I walked the Te Araroa Trail, which goes from Cape Reinga at the top of the island through to Bluff and, uh, and it just goes through so many different parts of the country. You know, you've got your, your, your forests and your beaches and your mountains, and, and yes, you've got your, your, you know, your, your city or city sections of it as well, but not many of those, but it just shows you what, what a, a wonderful country this is and that it's not just one type of thing that you're doing all the time. It's just such a variety. So, and mean, what are the... There's some parts on that that were you know, my favourite, you know, going through to, to Kahui Kapeka Forest, which is... Um, in the uh, south of the Rangitata River in the South Island. Um, I mean, going through the central North Island, it, there's all sorts of sort of superb places through there as well. So, um, But uh, yeah, earlier on this, this year, we, I was with a party from the club who we worked, walked along um, in the back of um, Queenstown, really, I suppose, is the easiest way to describe it, um, Queenstown, Glenorchy, um, along the Serpentine Range, which had us ending up on, on the, the route burn track, sort of halfway along it. Um, it's a very, very remote, and, and just, um, you're above, you're walking along the tops of a range of hills, and, and, and most mornings when we sort of uh, set off from our, our, our campsites, the valleys were just full of clouds, so you, you, you really felt as if you were sort of uh, in your own little world of, you know, with uh, <laughs> you're remote from everything else. Aotearoa, land of the white cloud. Oh, yes. And it was below us rather than above us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that, that's another story. Um, Jim Bolt, who's mayor of Queenstown, of course, and he's outspoken, he said the South Island should be in level one. 
it hasn't had a COVID case for over 600 days. He's pushing that message. There must be some lovely bushwalks around, as you said, around Queenstown and getting into Southland, etc., etc. Um, well, I mean, in terms of, of, of tramping and things like that, level two is just absolutely fine. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, he, he's more focused on, on, on the businesses and especially the hospitality and, and things like that. Um, and the, the gatherings and so on. I mean, we're from uh, Federated Mountain Clubs, we've got a um, a 90th anniversary conference sort of planned for Queenstown at the end of uh, October, and we're seriously hoping we'll be uh, that <coughs> they'll be out of level two by then, <coughs> because it, if not, we'll probably be struggling to run it in yep. the way that we would normally run a conference. So, and you don't yeah, want we to... all we all want everyone to be at level one. Um, and... but, but at the same time, you know, the, the number of cases, as you've just reported, is it, it, it keeps on keeping on. And uh, unfortunately, there are a very small number of people from, from uh, this wonderful city who like to feel that they, they can escape. Um, oh, I, have I a story for you shortly about one person who tried to escape? It's coming up. Um, with uh, you, you want these uh, meetings in per- person. You, do, you don't want... Um, these Zoom meetings, as the Waipa District Council found out this week here in Cambridge. Oh, that, that, that was wonderful, wasn't it? That, you know, <laughs> Everybody else was joining in. Yeah, uh, everyone was joining in or using it to pretend that they were doing something productive. Um, <laughs> but no, I think Zoom meetings, they, 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 you can do quite a few things, but, but especially if you've got a, a defined sort of agenda and, and things that you want to tick off and that sort of stuff. But they're not much good for the sort of a great interaction I mean, everyone's probably, you know, a lot of people will have been on meetings where one, you know, two people want to talk at the same time and it doesn't work. Whereas in person, well, that, that yeah. does work and it can can uh, and, and can achieve sort of great interactions and things. Well, it's, it's Mel and me. There's a meeting of two in the studio at this moment, so, uh, which yeah. is, uh, we're socially distanced and he's at one end of the desk and I'm at the other end. So uh, hopefully we, in the next few weeks, we can get back to normal. We can have face-to-face discussions and interviews with people we want to speak to. Yeah, it, it, it's a bit impersonal on via the phone and, of course, and uh, via Zoom, etc., etc. I love having a person sitting in the studio with me. Yeah, oh, of course. And, and that's what everyone does. It's a, it's a much greater level of interaction. <clears throat> but at the same time, <clears throat> I suppose as a country we have to sort of... Um, be grateful for what we have actually been able to do over the last sort of uh, 18 months or so that we've had the COVID floating around us um, but yeah, we do need to move on and, and work out uh, what our future lives are going to look like because obviously the big big uncertainties we have at the moment make it incredibly hard um, planning, planning what you're going to do next week, you know, next month and so on so, uh, so one just has to be very hopeful though which is as I said at the start, we, we've got an awful lot of trips planned through the through the um, through the summer months, through into to March, April, May. May we've got trip, planning trips in May and things. So I mean, we we tend to plan things quite a long way ahead because sometimes that's what they you actually need to do to get uh, the right sort of conditions, the right sort of amount of daylight, and, and things like that, and tides and everything else like that. You have the luxury of having. 300 members to draw on around Auckland mm-hmm. who would more than patronise single groups going on tramps. 
are there simultaneous de- de- uh, destinations? Oh yeah, very much so. Um, <coughs> so, uh, as I said, <coughs> the trips that were supposed to be happening um, in the car weeks of Kaimana was uh, at the moment we're actually involving four different groups. Um, each trip was a, a crossover trip, leaving one a car at one end and one car at the other. Um, but and then there were actually four parties involved doing yeah. that in a similar sort of time frame. I, I, I believe the technology is there these days that you can take a virtual walk through the bush uh, without leaving your sitting room. Have you done that before? Um, yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, it's, it's, it's just so completely different. I mean, it's sort of, um, you know, you're not there unless you can actually sort of uh, experience the conditions as they are. Smell, the, smell the bush. The sun, the wind, the rain. Listen to the tuis and... And the trees and the birds and everything else like that. I mean, it's just, uh, um, I mean, just doing the visual side of it from from your lounge is sort of. Well, it's the same when you try when you're actually out in the mountains or in the forest or whatever. Again, photos don't really work very well. I mean, you get sort of quick little snapshots, but you don't actually get the whole 360 degrees panorama and the atmosphere around you and the sense of of, of where you are. <coughs> yes. Do you come upon kiwi? Um, uh, very occasionally. Um, Rakiora is good for that. Um, um, you know, Stewart Island. Stewart Island, um, because um, they, you know, you're much more likely to, to, for, for kiwi to sort of uh, to pop up during the daytime. Um, and uh, so and that's what happened. We were there last year when we finally did get there. And, and suddenly, you know, the person at the front of the group stopped pointed and everyone concertinaed up and looked and there was this little kiwi busy beavering away in the bush completely unaware that they knew there was this group of eight or so people you know just a, you know, a meter or two away so it was amazing, really really it should have been his or her bedtime <laughs> yeah well yeah i think that because of I don't know. I mean, we 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 mean we mentioned the land of the long white shroud before. Well, I've just brought it up. It was a 1959 vinyl album released by the late Wellington actor and broadcaster Peter Harcourt, along with his wife Dame Kate and other actors. It was a take on New Zealand, and I've heard this album many many years ago. So, yeah, The Land of the Long Way Trout is an old album released by HMV, Peter Harcourt and his wife. So, But, yeah, Aotearoa, New Zealand, a lovely place to live. It certainly is, isn't it? And when you get together on the Federated Mountain Clubs of New Zealand, either by Zoom or in person, what um, are the burning issues of the day? Um, well, the burning issues are really is to, to make sure that all the... Um, the legislation and rules and so on that are in place for the protection of our wonderful country are actually adhered to. Um, and quite often we find that we are sort of uh, working with authorities who who, uh, who don't always um, have the, the same view as to um, as to what what you know what is the best way to protect our mountains and our forests and our rivers and so on. So it, it's a, it's just a continual thing, and this is why, why the. The Federated Mountain Clubs was formed in 1931. Um, um, that uh, it, it is just a continual thing of, of protecting and uh, encouraging people to, to really um, 
be out there appreciating our wonderful wilderness areas and, uh, and our back country. Is there a conflict of interest between, for example, trampers and shooters? Between who? Trampers and? Shooters. Hunters. Oh, hunters. Um, there's a lot that we have in common. I mean, we, we both sort of um, really do, do appreciate our forests and, and things and, and that sort of thing. I think the, it, it, sometimes there's differences, which is just a matter of degree between um, the extent to which some of the, all these introduced animals are, are sort of are, are causing problems in the forests. You know, the pigs and the goats and things, they don't really do anything wonderful for forest environments. Um, and, and, of course, deer as well. So, um, But I'm like, we work together. I'm, I'm part of a group that uh, do work in the Kaimai Range, which is the, the range of hills to the west of the Hauraki Plains. Um, and we, we look after track, you know, we do a lot of work on maintaining the backcountry tracks and huts there. And we work, work <coughs> very closely with deer stalkers as well. So Bay of Plenty, Thames Valley deer stalkers are part of our, our overall organisation. So uh, <coughs> it's, uh, yeah. it's, we're all part of a wider community that, and, and, that and really loves the backcountry. This, this also causes people going hunting, gun control, and um, just take it easy out in the bush because... Uh, as we know, there have been there have been deaths in the bush due to mistaken identity, and um, it's you got to look after your mates when you're in the bush. Oh, very much so. I, I think it, the numbers I think are very small, um, but you're still conscious of it. But um, um, I think I mean hunters sort of know the ropes, and uh, and uh, any any anything that goes wrong is really them. Uh, just forgetting just for a few seconds the, the basic rules that they, they normally work to. Well, Tony, it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, Executive Member of the Federated Mountain Clubs of New Zealand in 2025, 100 years old. And, of course, um, I hope you're still around in 2025, Tony. Oh yeah, well, yeah, well, the, the Auckland Tramping Club is, 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 is definitely uh, very mm. much still alive and still around and and, uh, and all, all, all sort of uh, ready for uh, the next hundred years. It's a pleasure, Tony. Have a great Sunday. Yep. Uh, yeah, nice talking to you. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Bye. It's uh, just on 10 minutes to 2. We've got uh, Trevor shortly, but uh, just... Um, uh, just some interesting cases that a man has been caught trying to escape the border with his girlfriend in the boot of the car and has come up in the late, latest uh, 25 minutes. I'm just reading cases of people, police finding guns in the boots of cars, etc. So the idiots are still out there. The idiots, as they say, have taken over the asylum. Time to talk anything, Hamilton, and... Um, Heard you on Talkback Radio this week, Trevor. Oh, did you? Yes. <laughs> I forget the subject, but yeah, I I heard the name Trevor. You were talking to Leah Parnipper. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because this is uh, taking over the morning slot from Peter Williams. Just, just remind us uh, what you were talking about. Well, uh, this is what you just seen. The person in the boot came across the border. Makes me think about what happened in Berlin during the Cold War, trying to cross the 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 the, the wall in Berlin. Uh, the techniques people used to try and get across on that. But it's a bit different, really. This is not going to be a permanent thing of, uh, of communism and and so on. Uh, but I've got what I 
thought I'd talk about that subject in a way because I had a case where people had a job lined up and uh, they sold their home because they had one lined up as well where they're moving to and they couldn't get across because uh, they weren't an essential worker. So therefore they had lost their home and were unable to occupy the house they bought or had arranged for rental and unable to fulfil the job because they'd already resigned from their job that they had in Auckland, for example. I think it was an Auckland case. So I thought, surely something could be done about that. The people were quite devastated being interviewed on television. So I thought to myself, well, if these people were so tested, came back negative, maybe uh, inoculated as well, I couldn't see where there should be a problem because anything to keep the economy going for whatever possible way it can, I think that's all for the better for everyone in the country. And uh, because the previous uh, Level 4 and Level 3 and Level 2 last year, that wasn't a restriction in the case of these people applying for these jobs and crossing over because of that reason they were able to do so. And of course the things have changed this year and that nobody was notified about the change. And so, therefore, the people said something I couldn't have put it better myself. The rules should be set in stone as from last year. I thought, well, why not? Mm. Why not set in stone? I mean, what they should have, as I think I mentioned before on the radio, they should have a task force of intellectuals and specialised in different areas that could come up and and set a a ruling that... uh, well, well we, we were standing every time there's a, a, a lockdown, and so everybody knows where they are. It, it, it's quite interesting, and we were talking to Jimmy earlier. You may have heard us, and we were talking about... Um, uh, we, we, we were just talking about these border controls, and that um, guy who was picked up by his family um, and took COVID down to the Haraki Plains with him, crossed the border, he was only meant to be picked up by... Um, he was only meaning me to be picked up by the uh, by one person, so um, it's here. Yeah. We'll have to keep talking about this because it's it is um, going to get worse. And uh, thank you, Trevor, for coming in this afternoon. And uh, I've got one more story before we do go for this afternoon. It's an interesting story. A man has been discharged without conviction after an incident. Uh, in a toilet in Centre Place this week. He has been uh, discharged by Judge Noel Coccarello. Uh, Pedro Honorique Marquis de Cuza, 34, was granted discharge when he appeared in the Hamilton District Court after later pleading guilty to a charge of intentionally making an, an intimate visual recording of another person. I'm scared when I sometimes when I go into the toilets in the Centre Place, or etc., because the person, you don't know what the person in the next stall is um, going to do. So he has, um, he, they took his phone off him and they were, they, all, the, all the details were wiped and he got his phone back. So, <laughs> yeah, so he, did, he had no previous conviction, so that's why Noel Cockerell, Judge Noel Coccarello uh, probably took that into place. But um, knowing, knowing his worship, sorry, knowing his honour, he would have been given a very big lecture uh, on his way out by the judge too. Yeah, I'd like to add to that because uh, 
there's a case on, I was watching, I think it was Peace 10 7. Yep. Someone was well over the limit for drink driving. He could barely stand, and I think it's almost double. When he came to court, he was convicted and discharged. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, he, he didn't lose his license. He didn't have to pay a fine. He wasn't put on detention or anything. Uh, I couldn't get my head around it. The other people would have to pay a huge fine and lose the privilege of driving a car for at least six months. Well, Trevor, we're, we, 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 don't, we don't rule the world yet. <laughs> the door, like, like they say in the song, if, if I rule the world... <laughs> Hey, uh, you'd re- you'd remember the Beatles album Abbey Road? Oh yes, yeah, uh, uh, they were starting to come to fame when I started work. Yep, and of course it's, it's fifty-two years ago today that it was released. But the following year in January, well, the following year, nineteen seventy, another album was released. It was uh, the album Let It Be by the Beatles, because uh, they were on the verge of breaking up at that time. So, uh, good song to go out with from the Let It Be album. The long and winding road and, and we are on the long and winding road at the moment with COVID-19. Have a good afternoon. Catch you next week. Hi, Rera. We'll never disappear. I've seen that road before.
more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.